to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. <clears throat> Excuse me, as I start a new study, every year I ask one question, and I try, because I don't believe people remember everything you say, so I try to answer one big question a year. And if I can get you to track with me one time and one thought, I think I'm successful. The question this year was, why don't people do what they say they're going to do? There's got to be a reason why people start out the year with all these promises to God, all these commitments to God, and then they stop. You start and you stop. There are a lot of answers to that, and if you go to the sermon list, you can see it. Uh, at rickytemple.com, I rarely say this, but that's a website where I kind of dumped a bunch of stuff, R-I-C-K-Y temple.com, click on sermons. They're all listed, and there is a, it's also on our main website, too, they have them listed. But I listed uniquely, and it's also listed in the app. The app is cool. You got to get it. <laughs> the app is really cool. I mean, it really is. As a matter of fact, we're gonna, there's some things I'm going to have them add to the app. Uh, I sent an email out just a minute ago. I want, I want you to be able to go one place and see everything. And it's really incredible. The sermons are there, and they're all organized. So if you miss a sermon, you can just simply go watch it and link it and send it to a friend. It's just cool. Everybody say cool. That ain't cool enough. Come on, say cool. Y'all, we work hard around here. You got to say amen louder than that. Amen, right? So anyway, the, one of the things that we, I, I try to do is I try to answer that one question all year long. Uh, and, and the answer this month is the reason that people don't do what they say they're going to do is because they go too slow. They're just absolutely too slow. Now, I, I, I really thought about how I would approach the sermon, and I, I had all kind of ways. And I, I, one way I was going to do it was just talk about, you know, things I was too slow to do. I will do some of that today. But I want you to think about this one thing. Are you too slow? Just too slow to respond. Too slow to obey. I almost used the verse where he said, the moment you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. And I just wanted to, it just stayed in my mind for weeks. And I, uh, I look back and I can see in my life where we're too slow. But the more I worked on it, the more I prayed about the sermon and where I began to work, I said, yeah, they're not going to remember this. I'll, you know, because sometimes when you're preaching or teaching or talking, you know, all, you're all over the place. And it's, it's, it's kind of like, that's good. That's good. Oh, no, I'm not going to remember, but remember it. But that was good. That was good. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was good, too. You know, a little bit, a little bit, and then you get confused. So I said, let me try to make this easy. You ready? So there are what I would consider four seasons in life that we and we deal with. Now, you can say it other ways, but because I'm teaching, there are four seasons. And the four seasons are important because each season affects your life. So here's a statement I want you to remember, right? Our personal lives consist of seasons. I want to help you identify the seasons you are currently in. It, if we are not careful, this is important, we will confuse the seasons and move too slowly in response to the responsibility that each season demands. You'll get, you'll just, you just don't, you, you don't realize you're in a season where you need to really pay attention to this. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if you don't, you're going to have trouble. So Ecclesiastes chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. So let me fix this real quick. You know, this is called, I don't know, Holy Ghost voice or something. I don't know what's going on here. Here we go. Let me give you Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. Here's what it says. <clears throat> There's a time for everything. 
and a season for every activity under the heavens. Now, stop for a second. Look at me for a second. Um, now, listen, I'm going to read this, but I'm going to fly through it. Everybody say fly. Here we go. You ready? A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to, he- to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, to dance. Oh, boy, a time to scatter stones and time to gather them. Oh, boy, a time to embrace, a time to refrain, a time to search, to give up, to keep, to throw, to tear, to mend, to be silent, to speak, to love, to hate, to war, for, time for war and a time for what? Peace. There you go. There is a time in your life for a lot of things. But I want you to think about it in the context of four seasons. Repeat them with me, please. Say childhood season, teenage season, young adult season, senior season. See, you can remember that, right? Let's see a test. You ready? Without looking at your paper, without looking at the notes. You ready? Don't help them back in the back. Don't put it up on the screen either. The first season is the what? The second season is the what? Third season is the? And the last season you're in now is senior season, right? All four, that's it. Each one is unique. And if you're too slow to understand the power of that season, you're in trouble. You got to be careful. So, for example, in the childhood season, This is the foundational teaching season that everything is built upon. Everything. Get this wrong, you're going to be a mess all your life. People go to psychiatrists mainly because of this season. What was your childhood like? Then they start to, well, they didn't give me a toy. My mama used to to give more grits to the older children. We used to get a little drop. (laughs) You know, you got your stories in your mind, right? The childhood season is foundational. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Then there's the teenage season. Now, that's the preparing for independence or leaving season. You start talking about it. I'm almost out of here. Oh, yes, I'm going to have my own bills in a minute. My own light bill. Yes, I'm out of here. And the parents say, good. You're out of here. And because you really feel you want, I want to stay out late. Now, it's so funny. We were out there. <laughs> oh, God, it's hilarious. We were somewhere, and Christina said, listen, it's getting late. It's 8.30, 9 o'clock. I got to go lay down. I thought, who are you? Where did you come from? Because I remember you wanted to leave at 11 o'clock at night to go out and do something. I said, you need to pray for me, girl. Come on, say, times be changing. Come on, amen, it does. <laughs> Then there's that young adult season, man. I want power in my life, my house, my children, my time to lead. (laughs) It's great. I love it. You want to drive now. I used to drive all the time. Now you want to drive. I got it. And it's, it's so amazing. I come to your house, your house. I love going to my kids' house. I open up all the refrigerators and everything. I just love it, cabinets. Because, you know, and they, and they are, you know, it's, it's your season. But then when you're a senior, you know, that season is not all it's made out to be. When you look back, you see it differently. 
in your, season, in your senior season, this is important. <laughs> what do you call that, Pastor? This is the uh, waiting to die, often with no dream season. If you're not careful. I just said it had to be. But I'm telling you, I'm 65. People now um, start dying all around you. Now you ask the question, are they still living? <laughs> when you go to the funerals of people who your age, it speaks to you. And there's something about each of those seasons. If you are too slow in understanding them and responsibilities that come with each of those seasons, you will harm yourself. And so the goal of the series is to help you not be too slow. And say, what are you going to say? Oh, here you go. You ready? Man, this is so good. You're going to love this. Four things I got right during various seasons of my life, and six things I got wrong. And then I'll tell you something about the childhood season. I thought you liked, I thought you wanted to be nosy and know these things. Ready? Here's number one. I was spiritually devoted, and I got that right. I was very sincere about my walk with Christ very early, teenage years. Very committed to Jesus. And I would say that really started somewhere around 14-ish, 15. I got real serious. 16, I was like deep in commitment. All in. Save, save. Anybody knew me when I was a teenager, I'll tell you that. Seriously saved. And I, I, I think I got that right. I was very sincere. But then came the other area. I was committed to worshiping. I had a, a decent work ethic. I know, I'm sorry, I had a decent work. I had a work, I, I, get it out, Temple. I was committed to working. Somewhere between here and there, my mother uh, gave me this um, clear picture of the importance of going to work. So I've never, I've never had to be told go to work. Now, some people still need that lesson. But I got that. Number three, I was committed to climbing the academic mountain. Now, I wasn't a good student, especially in my under... Um, Undergrad and below, I was not. I was a C student most of the time. Graduate and above, I was A student. Now, why weren't you a, a A student at undergrad and below? Because I wasn't. Now, that's it. Now, so I was told, don't fail. That's it. So I worked to not what? Fail. That's it. Get a C and you're okay. I never was try I never was on the dean's list. Somebody asked me, one of our members' kids asked me, were you ever on the dean's list? Were you ever on? I said, no, I hire those people. Anyway, but that, it was, but it was, it's true, I do. But those things, those things, I, need, I didn't even understand it. Honest to God, I didn't even understand it until I got married. So you were real slow. Yes. When I got married, my wife understood all of that. Because in her family, that was all part of the culture. You know, I, I used to look at people, all A's, it's geeks or something. Why do you make all A's? And I, I just didn't study that hard. I was smart, loved to read, but didn't see, I wasn't focused. So, so I, I made it, I graduated, but I didn't really get it until later. I remember, this is, I probably shouldn't confess this. Ah. Give me a minute. I was, I was speaking at a big event. And one of my professors in college in my undergrad was listening. And I never will forget what she said under her breath. And she refused to say it twice. She said, my God, how could a C student be that amazing? 
And I said, what did you say? Oh, nothing. <laughs> you did say it. I heard you. But I wasn't super academic. I wasn't. I wasn't because I, I, I didn't understand it. How could you go to college and not understand it? Talk to some other college students and you'll get it. Some of you right in here know what I'm saying. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. It just wasn't in our family tradition. And I, 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 it took a while for me to, to change that. Also, I was, I was committed to being morally focused. I was honest about my temptations. I wasn't perfect, but I, I, I was honest. And it helped me get past seasons when I would stumble or struggle. But I was honest about it. And I look back and I said, you got that right. Now, let me tell you, some of you said, no, I was slow on all those. I was slowly devoted. I wasn't working. I didn't climb the academic mountain. I mean, you can you say, I didn't get that right. I'm glad I did, but today I got some things wrong. You said, what are those? I got six of those. I was slow understanding the lack of character of, of some people around me. I, I, had, I had friends I shouldn't have had. Even some Christian friends. Secondly, I was slow understanding the difference between planning for wealth, this is important, and building wealth. I was slow. I didn't understand, okay, planning is one thing, reading books is one thing, you know, talking about it is one thing, and doing it's another. You can't just talk about it, you need to say for real. You can't just talk about it, you need to really get going. Thirdly, I, I let me just stop and say this, my theology hindered my prosperity. It made me think it was wrong, especially as a pastor. Anytime I talk about money, the alarms, oh, don't talk about it too much. Well, how am I going to help the hungry? How am I going to feel? How do you think we pay for this? You think these lights on for free? I should cut them off. Don't do it. I should cut them off. Did you see what it's like when they're off? This, is, this costs thousands of dollars. It's not free. And I want you to understand, hundreds of thousands. Let me help you. Millions when you put it all together. It's a lot of money over the years. And so I'm saying it's not, it's not easy for Christians, especially Christian leaders, to talk about this. I was slow understanding the, the amount of time some people were siphoning from my life. I gave some people too much time. <laughs> Number four, I was slow understanding the wasted emotional energy I invested in temporary issues. I got worried about stuff, angry about stuff. That I, I, didn't, I didn't have time to be angry about that. I don't have time to be mad with you about that. You don't like me? Okay, so how much time should I spend on that? Oh, about that long. Because I can't, what can I do about you not liking me? You don't like the way I look. Okay, well, I can't change that. I don't have some magic potion. I'm, my head is my head. You don't like my head? What can I do with that? You women know what I'm talking about. The women don't like you because you've got long toes. Can you cut them? Well, I mean, you understand what I'm saying? At some point, you don't like my size. Well, what can you do about my size? What about your size? Stop worrying about me. See, you, I spent, emo anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, say amen if you hear me. I spent, come on, say amen if you hear me, church. I spent too much emotional time worrying about stuff. Even your kids, here's what I say now. They'll catch up later. That's what I say. Catch up later. I can't spend that much emotional time. And sometimes you overinvest. I did that. I overinvested. Number five. Number five, I was slow understanding, oh boy, how the culture around me had shaped my choices. The culture says, get up and cut your TV on. The culture says, the culture says, the culture says. 
The culture says you got to have this car. The culture says the, no, the culture is telling you what to do. Romans 12, 2 says, be not shaped by the world around you. Some things in your family culture were bad, and you should never do them again. But you've allowed your culture to shape you. Number six, last one. I was slow understanding the temporary parenting season of my children. It went fast. You don't have long. You wake up and they're grown. You wake up and you don't have as long as you think. It took me a while to get that. But let me take you to Ephesians chapter 6. Because I promise you to talk about seasons. The parenting's teaching, the parenting season, the childhood season, when I look back at it, was the most important thing I ever did. It was the season when I taught my kids the foundational principles that they now stand on. It was what I call the parenting, teaching, and modeling season. Say that with me, please. Come on. The parenting, teaching, and modeling season. When you are raising children, if you have the joy of even influencing grandchildren, understand you stand in a teaching and modeling season. How you interact, how you talk, how you cuss, whatever you do, you are teaching and modeling. Can you say those two words? Come on. Teaching and Some of you have given your kids a black belt in cussing because they heard you do it. Oh, you, uh-huh, mm-hmm. We don't know what we're talking about now. Some of you, some of you family members, some of you married folks, you're giving your kids a black belt, a master's degree in fighting because you fight all the time. Division, unforgiveness. You are teaching and modeling for them. And when you see it in the next generation, do not be surprised because you are the main foundation for them. I walked by a mother the other day in a store. Her daughter was standing there. Mama was standing there listening to her phone, some music. And it was cussing. I mean, vile cussing. And I said to myself, look at Mama teach. Mama is teaching and modeling. This is what you do. When you bring them people home, you say to your kids, this is what you do. Can you say, come on, come on, so this is what you do. Come on, say it again, come on. This is what you do. Every time they fail you and you yell at them and you say, I will beat your, you know what? I, what the blank, blank, what did you say? Look, at, say it again. You are what? Teaching, modeling. Say it again, come on, come on. Teaching, don't be afraid to say it. So when somebody fails you, that's how you act. Because you don't take nothing. Because you're doing what? Teaching and modeling. Children, obey your parents. Ephesians 6, 1. In the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So that, so that, so that, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. 
Here's why you teach your children in this season. Here's why you model and teach so that it may go well. You don't like what's going on in the community? It's because we're not teaching and modeling. That's why it's not going well. Blame the police, blame the neighborhood, blame anybody you want, but those are your children. They had a shooting this other in Baltimore. 30 people wounded, two dead, two or three in critical condition. Teaching, modeling. New law goes into effect today, and, and, and Florida, you don't even need a license to carry a weapon. You can just carry Wild, wild west. Teaching, modeling. Don't you believe in having a gun? Yeah, you have a gun, fine, but everybody don't need a gun. Have you figured that out yet? You ain't figured that out yet? Okay, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not going to get into all that today. I'm just making a point. There, there is a season of life. There is a role that we play. Watch out, Tim. Romans 13 says there's a role government plays. They're established by God in many ways with the same parental responsibility. They're supposed to govern fairly, but they're to establish laws and rules that protect us the same way you do in your house. I'm not going to get into all that. I'm not, I'm not against guns. Anytime I'm making a point, I'm just trying to make a point. The reason you do what you do as a parent the reason you are put in authority, the reason you're given this power in this season is so that it may go well. If it's not going well, look at how you're teaching and training. Look at what you're establishing. That you may enjoy. God's goal is to get you to a place where you may enjoy long life. If you don't enjoy your children at teenage years and at adult years, Sometimes, sometimes, it could be tied to what we taught and what we model. Just a thought. What's interesting is verse 4, as I come to the conclusion here. Fathers, he says, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training. Notice the word training and instruction of the Lord. Don't just teach them what the world says around you. Teach them what I say. There's a manual I want you to follow. Then he says this. Watch this now. There are two things, two pieces of advice given in this text. One is to the children and one's to the fathers. Now, fathers were the leaders of the family, so I, I, I find it fascinating. So, and I, I love the way that Paul singles out fathers, so I'll talk to you in a minute, but watch what he says to the children. Children, I want you to obey. I want you to honor I want you to embrace the teaching of your parents and those that are what I call the others. God will put people in your life at the early season of your life to teach you. You have to embrace that. But then fathers, this is important. Your job is to not be abusive. Your job is not to be unfair, to provoke them. Your job is to train them, instruct them, love them. It's so amazing that if you're not careful as a parent, you see yourself as an authority figure, and that's all you see. We love the verse, and I'm not picking on the name of the play that, that was just announced earlier, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. Most of us think of beating people when we read that verse. That somehow that's what God says, beat them or they'll be bad. 
And somehow you're supposed to be in charge and everything you say is the law of the land. There's no discussion. I am the man here. I pay the bills. I pay the cost. I'll be the boss. I mean, no, there's that thing on us. And, and, and sometimes we, we push people and exasperate them, provoke them to not like us. I wonder in your family life, are you a nice person? I wonder, do your kids feel you are a reasonable person? I have a lot on me. So that gives you an excuse. You see, if you're too slow to get this, when they go to school, they see the damage caused in your house. That's why they want to get out of there so fast. That's why Billy Bob gets them and Susie Mae gets them because sometimes being with you is just that painful. Three questions and one done. How were you trained during your childhood season? How were you trained? What was it like being a powerless little person with these adult people over you that could say no because they just want to be mean, never take you where you want to go, never have time for you. When you get home from school, they fuss at you because you didn't get, get in the house and do your homework. Can I please breathe? They cut me in line today. <laughs> Lunch was not good. The teacher was yelling in the class. I need a break. I just walked in the house. Give me an attitude. Now, see, there you go. See what I'm saying? Secondly, were your parents fair during your childhood season? Were your parents fair? Watch this. How many of you got in trouble for things you did not do as a child? Raise your hand. You did not do it. Now, you did other things, but you did not do it. Do I have any innocent people in here? Only five of y'all. Everybody else did it. Okay. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you said, no, nah, I was guilty. <laughs> Let me see that one more time. How many of you got in trouble for things you did not do? Raise your hand. Come on. Let me see. All right. More hands went up that time. Lastly, I, I want you to hear this, and I'm really done. Were you fair to your parents? during your childhood season, when you look back, were you fair? Did they have to go to the school and you shouldn't, they shouldn't have had to go for you? Were you unfair to them in hindsight? It's amazing during the teenage season, everything changes. This is the season that you want independence. And some of you would say, no, pastor, but in my teenage season, I was unfair. I have a lot I want to say about that. The story I'm going to share is in 1 Samuel 17. Please get it. Read it ahead of my time. It is such a profound story. It's about a, a young man who was very mature as a teenager, who became very immature as an adult. And it's so amazing that as the seasons grew, he was quick as, an, as a teenager, but slow as an adult. And it's amazing that most people who have a regret in their life is between those two seasons that they fail. I want to show you how you can, you can be too slow to hear God at a season in your life and change everything. Or you can speed up and watch everything change. Did you learn something today? I want you to get your communion out if you have it. And I want you to, in this moment, lay to rest your childhood season. Jesus died on the cross to free you. If you are home, go get your communion. We're going to close out here today. And if you are in the building and you did not receive one of these, raise your hand. They'll bring one by to you. 
And uh, if you would open it up, we're going to partake in just a second. Top, peel the top layer back. Jesus said, as often as you partake of communion, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Communion is a moment when you remember. Jesus died for you. I see a hand here in the front. Anywhere else? Raise your hand if you're home. Again, get you some crackers, some bread, juice. Partake with us. I believe with all my heart. There are times I was too slow. Some of you parents, grandparents, was I was teaching today, you said, okay, I can adjust that. Okay, I can, I can do better in that area. And some kids who'd say, I need to make it easier on my parents. That need to be that hard to raise me. I can do better. Jesus died on the cross. His body was broken. His life was given so that our lives could be better. He said, I came to give you life and give you life more abundantly. And as often as you partake of this, you remember what I did for you. So, Father, we come today. You don't have to be perfect, Lord. We know to take communion. Dishonest. And we ask you, Lord, to let this be a moment for those here and those at home. A moment of healing, a moment of deliverance, a moment of blessing. I speak grace and healing. Blessing to my brother Michael O'Quinn as he takes communion with us today. Healing to his body. Blessing you, Brother Mike. Bless to Roz. Roz, Roz, we pray blessing and grace on you as you watch today. We thank you for being with us. We praise you and thank you, Father, for the grace of God on Mary. All those that are online today, let this be a moment of healing and blessing for them. And so, God, today we partake of communion, honoring you in Jesus' name. Go ahead and partake. You died to free us, and we appreciate it. Now, if there's anybody here today that said, Pastor Rick, what I've heard today touched my heart. And I realize I need to start a life with Jesus. I need you to pray for me. I want you to just pray for me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Let me know who I'm praying for. Your walk with God is something you're concerned about. Let this be that moment we pray. If you're watching at home, just right there in Jesus' name, we lift you up. We pray for grace, forgiveness, and a new walk with God. May this be that moment in your life where you'll never be the same. And in Jesus' name, I give you all praise.